Q&A. We got lots of questions from one end of the world to the other end, from up north US to down under Australia. So many questions. I don't think we'll have enough time to go through all of them, but we'll try our best. But above all, we ask God for comfort, courage, <coughs> healing, the distress in this nation. I mean, I just now no longer look at my WhatsApp also because all the videos you get from all over India from people I know is pictures of dead bodies piled. It's a sad, sad pictures coming in. But God will take us through. Hmm. Yes, just Lord. pray this is a turning point for India. Truly pray this will be a turning point for India that we will people will put away their idols. God so cannot answer them. And the hearts of people will be open to call upon Jesus. He alone can save. Alone can save. So we just pray. God is the only one who can make good come out of evil. Only God can. So we just pray, we just believe that in this dark hour, something good will come out of it. God will turn this nation around. So, Father, this evening we just pray. Your your word says to give you thanks in all situations. Yes, Lord. Sometimes it's so difficult. Hmm. But, Father, we can give thanks. Because, one, you are in control. Two, we see in the end. We read your word, we see the end. The end is not defeat. The end is victory. So, we just want to thank you for this time. And I pray even as we answer the questions, <clears throat> the Spirit will comfort your people, encourage your people, heal your people, strengthen your people, give them that enduring faith so that we will endure till the very end so that we can be saved. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come at this time and all those who are tuned in into thy hands. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we can start. First question, Pastor, is from uh, the book of Jeremiah. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, Jeremiah prophesied and said, Therefore, hear, O nations, hear, O earth. Similarly, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 29, he again prophesied, saying, O earth, earth, hear the word of the Lord. Many people would think I was an utter fool if I, if I walked out of my home and said, all the earth, hear me now, all the nations, I'm speaking to you. But that is what Jeremiah did. It was prophetic declaration that made no sense naturally. Why is it a problem now? Is it because of the false preachers and prophets? One, um, one we need to realize, though it says all the earth and the nations and all, Jeremiah in his time is speaking to the nation of Israel. Mm, yes. And Israel is one one homogeneous unit. It is a nation made of one people, one faith, one temple, one priesthood. So when he's speaking, he's speaking to one nation. So And he's been called by God and sent by God to speak to Israel. So when Jeremiah or Isaiah or any of these prophets were speaking, they were speaking to a very clear set of people. When you are coming to now, what happens is, like I have said this over and over again, we are not 
one in that sense. Mm. The church is one nation, but spread in time and space across the world. So you cannot have a prophetic figure like Jeremiah or an ICR today. Second, that role of a prophet you see in the old covenant is over in the new covenant because the canon has been set. Canon has been set. We already know the end. We already know everything how it's going to begin. What Jeremiah did not know, what Isaiah did not know, but none of them knew, we know. Hmm. It's already been set everything. It's over. It is finished. So that kind of a prophet is not required today. Because, because if you go to Revelation, Revelation chapter 22, you know, Revelation chapter 22, in that context we are talking about, in that context, okay? 22 and verse 10. Got it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Verse 10. He said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Mm. And if you come to verse 18 too, 18 and 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. So you will look at that in Revelation, the final chapter of the Bible, the canon is closed. So you cannot have a Jeremiah kind of a prophet. You cannot have an Isaiah kind of prophet or a John the Baptist kind of a prophet. You cannot. It's over. It is finished. It is done. So today, you will not have a person who will speak to all the nations. Because he doesn't have to speak. Mm. It's already. And when even Daniel is prophesying, he says the book is sealed. Mm. Here the book is not, not sealed. sealed. It is open. Yes. Okay. If a book is sealed, then you need somebody to open it. Here it is not sealed, it is open. The Holy Spirit can teach anybody anywhere in a corner who does not have any access, but he has the word of God with him. God can uh, reveal it to that person. So there is a difference in the old covenant prophets. And so today when somebody says, usually if you look at it, it's very localized. Mm -hmm. And a prophetic gift works, it's a very localized. It could be like a prophetic gift works in the church. It's for the church. It is for the church. It is for this church alone. It's very localized. So you cannot have uh, a national universal, prophet. Universal, yeah, yeah. Even even when a national, can I have the volume is a little too high, Sammy? Um, you cannot even have a national prophet. Let us say. See, like I said, Israel was a very homogeneous unit, and it was a homogeneous unit primarily because they had only one temple. And one temple, that's why the Jeroboam and all tried to break it. But, but primarily, if you look at it, the temple was at Jerusalem. And God had put its name there. And everybody was compulsorily to go certain times of the year to that place. So that was the thing that unified the nation. We don't have that now. Mm-hmm. You have the last count, how many? 3,500 denominations. Or more. So, which prophet will two denominations accept? Half the denominations say there is no prophecy at all. <laughs> okay. In the Pentecostal movement where there are prophets, one Pentecostal group won't accept the other one. So, it is not possible 
in the new covenant to have somebody like that. Okay. In the beginning, it was still possible because again, it was centered in Jerusalem and you had the apostolic order. The apostles were there. They were, when there was an issue, you had them and they intervened. And you had the church in Jerusalem, not the temple, the church in Jerusalem. And you could see in Acts that James seems to be the head, but Peter was there. All of them were there. So it, but that's no longer there. It's no longer over there. The only one we have in a, in a kind of simple kind of a way, if you can look at the pattern, is the Roman Catholic Church where you have a false prophet sitting. Mm. Okay, It's not a true prophet. It's a false prophet. It's an absolute false prophet. And he's not speaking the word of the Spirit of God. He's speaking from the demonic. Okay, And he keeps on changing. But he's speaking ex-cathedra, whatever. It is infallible and all. Even his own people don't listen to him. Okay, So if you look at that picture, he's trying to portray that picture. Remember, the Roman Catholic Church has taken the old covenant pattern and he tries to speak that. But the fact is, it doesn't work. So when you're talking about it in that Jeremiah context, there is nobody like that today. There's nobody like that today. Nobody like that today. One, the prophecy is only for the church. Prophecy is not for the nations. The nations won't understand it. The nations won't receive it. Mm. It's only for the church. And the church is a homogeneous unit only in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of man. Not in the eyes of man. It is not. It's very difficult because doctrine divides. Doctrine divides. What you receive and what you don't receive. So you don't have that kind of a prophetic picture. So it's not also got to do with the false preachers and the prophets, uh, but it's new covenant is different Mm. from the old covenant. Because in Hebrews, God says also, there are all these ministries within the church, but ultimately each one is connected to God. The old covenant, they didn't know. They needed priests. They needed prophets to hear and speak to them. Today you don't need. Technically you don't need. You have all these ministries, but for guidance, God guides you. They just give you a cover, a protection, a cover, and teaching, equipping. But ultimately, each one has to come to a point where he becomes an adult child of God. Mm. That is what Romans 8 says, as many as are led Led by the Spirit Spirit of God. As many as who received him, became he gave them the power to become the children of God. From that to Romans 8 stage, you have this fivefold ministry. After that, you primarily don't need this ministry so much because you are now a blessing to the kingdom of God. It's not that you are not accountable, but you are a blessing. But because you are a blessing, when you go wrong, voices speak to you and correct you also. Yes, mm-hmm. Pastor Vijay. <clears throat> because you are talking about boundaries, I think the question number two kind of uh, seamlessly proceeds into that. How would you define boundaries of protection over national and spiritual leaders? How can we protect our children from the evil, wicked media? They attack our children, but God says, do not repay evil for evil. Yet their children have more dirt than the entire USA's garbage dump. <laughs> uh, how can we protect our children from evil? Like we keep saying, primarily children have have three spaces. It begins from the home. From the home it goes to the church. And from the church it goes to the school the place where they are educated. If you can create three safe spaces, these three are safe spaces. The church, the child is safe. 
Hmm. These are three fundamental places. One is the home. The home has to be safe. And we can blame the media. We can blame everything. But if you go down and we are very, very honest, the issue is with the home. America fell apart because the homes fell apart. America did not fall apart because other things fell apart. America first fell apart at the home. When the home falls apart, everything else falls apart. To destroy this structure, you have to just break and take one brick out. Then you can take brick by brick out. The build also, it was a first brick, mm. but a first stone. You put the corner stone. And from there, you put the stones. And over that, you build. The basic unit is the home. When the home falls apart, everything starts falling apart. So the first safe place for our children is our home. And if the home is not safe, we outsource it to the church. But the church is its a combination of homes. The church is not a very physical structure. No, it is not. If it's a small church, let us say it is composed of people from 10 homes, 15 homes, 50 homes. It's just homes coming together. And if, let us say, there are 10 safe homes and 15 unsafe safe homes, they're coming together. So already you have trouble over there. Okay, You can protect your child as much as you want. But when they go to Sunday school and after Sunday school, how much protection do you have there? Okay. Then from there, they go to school. Again, you have to make a choice. What school are you going to send them? No. What going you to school? So, how do we protect is, the ultimately, you need to realize is that we can do only so much. There is no 100% guarantee about any of these things. Ultimately, the whole thing is that we do what we can do. But we have to implicitly trust our children into God's hands. Amen. Into God's hands. But we have to do what we have to do. And uh, that's why the Bible says in uh, Timothy that the the woman will be saved through childbearing. Okay? The woman will be saved through childbearing. It's the most difficult and the most uh, time-consuming job, which is called mothering. Yet, you will see practically everywhere in the Bible, the teaching is given to the father, not to the mother. You will not see in the Bible, son, listen to your mother, that's Proverbs. But if you look in Deuteronomy 6 or Ephesians and all, the instruction is given to the father. Fathers. It is not given to the mother. Yes. Now we have, I mean, we get into that. The problem is that, you know, we all have pictures in our mind which are more connected to our own culture than to the Bible. The Bible, when it, when we come into the church, we become a holy nation. Meaning we appropriate by discipline and by faith the culture of the Bible, of the kingdom of God. Okay. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, because we can talk easily because only men are sitting here. There are no women over here. Only men, three, five, six men over sitting over here. In Deuteronomy 6, how is it passed? Okay. Let me, let's go over there. Six was three. All the men don't uh, feel the Okay. Verse 4 onwards. Okay. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Okay, that's enough. What does that mean? See, our whole mind concept is what has happened is that our 20th, 21st century education system is what we we are brought up. We don't realize for 1900 years of the church history that was not the norm. The norm was the kids went with the father. Mm. The girls went with the mother. And through the day, the fathers educated through their life, the children, how to serve God. And the mothers educated through her life how to serve God. That's what it, it was it. Who do you think taught Jesus most of the things he learned? It was Joseph. Today, parents don't spend time with children. And they do not realize that it's a form of child abuse. They don't spend time with their children. Because this is how God intended. Think about it. God says the thoughts I have towards you cannot be counted. My eyes are upon you. I carry you on the shoulder. What does God say? God says, I am a father who is 24-7 involved with your life. If you don't experience me, it's only because you don't, you are not interested. If you are interested, I will walk with you all the days of my life. People don't realize parenthood is one of the most important responsibilities which God has given us to mankind. Most important responsibility. Okay? That, yes, we need to go to work. Now it's all different. But, that does not excuse us from neglecting our children. Because ultimately for the children, it is not what we say. It is who we are. Mm. And who we are, they will only know when we spend time with them. Spend time with them. You know? And those are those years, the formative years, the first five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of their life. Then it does not matter after that. You can send them in chains to Egypt. Or Babylon, they will just. I look at Daniel, and I wonder what kind of parents did he have? Mm. What kind of parents did he have? You know, what mentoring he got? There's nothing mentioned. We don't even know whose parents' name is. But that 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 kind of people don't randomly come come, come up. Exactly. Yes. Okay. The very heart of God has been transformed into His life by whoever He walked with. Mm. Okay, that's why when Elijah is taken, Elisha is not mm-hmm. saying, my your prophet. He says, my father, father my father. father. The father's life has been transformed into him. The other fellow also says, my father, my father. It's mm-hmm. just words. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't received Elisha's life. You know, so when the Bible talks about these things, we need to, how do we protect our children from evil? By walking with them. Just walking with them. You know, that's what Hannah did with Samuel. She just walked with him. She just lived that life before him. The song of Hannah was her life. She was the mighty warrior fighting for the soul of her son. Then he's released in the temple. It does not matter. He's already been mentored. Now he's not going to look at others over there and change because already things have been set like iron in his soul. Mm. He's not going to change because he knows this is what is true. And he's seen it in his mother's life. And maybe I believe Elkanah too is a righteous man. His father is a righteous man. His mother is a righteous woman. That he takes into the temple. And then when he has a choice, a simple choice, like to sleep, he sleeps before the ark and God speaks to him. And after that, nothing is the same. So these are things, fundamental things, and we have to 
we have to come back to that and say, you know what? You know the word? When? Like people who work. When my work hours are over. You know what I'm going to do? I'm running home. I'm running home. Because home is heaven on earth. Can we either heaven on earth or hell on earth? Hmm. Home is heaven on earth. And I'm going home. No, I'm home. Office can be hell. It is okay. But home is heaven. Home is heaven. And I'm going. You know, I'm going. Because we have this entire Indian culture. Like I grew up in this culture, but I refuse to accept that culture. Refuse to accept that culture because why? I look in the word of God. That's not the culture because especially in the state from where I come, you go into practically any home after six o'clock, the men are in there. They're all gone. At the same time, you go onto the streets. No women is on the streets. Not now, those years. Nobody is there. All the men are on the streets, either in the playing cards, drinking, sitting and talking. And in the home, it's the mother and the children. And they think we have done our duty, we have done our work, now leave us alone. But they don't realize the duty is only beginning. The other was work. This is duty. Your duty is with your home. And children practically grow up with hardly seeing their father. The father. He comes back at 9 o'clock. Many of them come drunk. Many of them come sober. They eat. They go to sleep. And this is how the culture, and we take it as, you know, this is our Indian culture. But when you come into the kingdom of God, we, we change our culture. The kingdom of God has come within us. And think about it. Think, simply think about it. Six o'clock in the evening, God goes out to the streets. He's the father, right? He goes. He says, okay, now three hours, leave me alone. I've done my work. Leave me alone. It's my time. He and the first son is sitting and playing cards somewhere. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He's so intimately involved with us. You know? And when we come together as that, as ten families like that, then these ten families get together. Because they realize the church values the home. Mm-hmm. You know, so certain parts, times of the week, we come for Bible study and all. It's a family is getting together because we realize what are we building? We're building the kingdom of God. I'm not saying when you have high responsibility jobs and all, sometimes you have to stay late and all that is factored in. But I'm talking about a normal way. A normal way. Normal way. You know, so that's why we have to look at it and that's how we protect our children from evil. And children get messed up. It's not because of outside influences. Because I, I refuse to accept it. If outside influences should mess you up, Joseph should be messed up. Daniel should be messed up. Samuel should be messed up. Because all they had was absolutely debased, immoral, pagan influence. Mm. But they stood straight. You know why? Because if you look at them, they probably had somebody who showed what life was like. Maybe his ten brothers were gooks, but he looked at his father. Looked at his father. And he followed after his father. And he got that from him. He didn't get it from his mother. He got it from his father. Okay, so we have to look at that. And uh, we men have to change. Honestly, men have to change. Fathers have to change. Fathers have to change. Especially this is vacation time. You have to change. Vacations are very special, like like two months, three months vacation. No, you what? That is the only time you get to eat three meals with your children. Other times you get to eat one meal. 
vacation time. So you don't have to go to exotic resorts and all. You could just spend it in time saying that breakfast we eat together, lunch I'll come eat together, dinner we'll eat together. You know why? This is vacation. God has given me time for what? To spend with you. Spend with you. I'm not saying things which I have never practiced. I'm telling you things which I always practiced in my life. You know? I, I do not understand why people do not enjoy time at home. I still cannot understand. Why don't people enjoy time at home? Time Home is the most beautiful place on earth. If there is a slice of heaven on earth, it is home. It is not everything. Everything else reflects the glory of God. But you want to enjoy the presence of God. It is home. It is not office. It's not even church. It's not even church. Church, it's a very superficial fellowship. Superficial fellowship. Home is a place where you can let your hair down. You can be just yourself. When I go home, I'm not pastor. (laughs) I'm not pastor. I don't have to be a pastor, meeting the needs of everybody. At home, I am home. And you need to get your mind signed changed. And you know what? You can build heaven on earth. A little slice. And God should be very happy to visit your home. God will say, you know what? Like whatever said and done, Jesus liked going to Bethany and eating in that house. He liked going there. You see him there. Don't you think when God walks on earth, he looks for some place, he says, you know what, this place trouble, that place trouble. Okay, you know, let's go to that house. You know what, there is joy over there. Joy over there. You have to read Charles Dickens, The Christmas Carol, Uncle Scrooge, that guy. And when he visits the house of his assistant, little Tim is there, he's an invalid, but he sees the joy in that house. They're very poor, very poor. They hardly have anything. But when the Christmas, the ghost of the Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas takes him into that house, his eyes is opened. That's what changes him. By the end of it, just visions, by the end of it, Scrooge is a completely changed man. He becomes a believer. You know how he becomes a believer? He's just seeing the joy of a home which is Christian. He didn't take him out and see the cross and the Calvary and all these things. No, he showed how reprobate he is and your end, what is going to happen. Your partner has reached hell with all his chains and then shows him the joy of a little home, a poor home, which is his assistant, who doesn't even pay him well. But by the time the night is over, Scrooge is a completely changed man. He's celebrating. You know what changed him? When he saw that home. Saw that home. It's not worldly, it's not carnal, it's absolutely heaven on earth. And we think we need so many things to be happy. I'm telling you, you don't need so many things to be happy. (laughs) You don't need so many things to be happy. You just need a joyful home. And that's how we keep your children from evil. But when the home breaks up, the children are tended to go to evil. Because they're looking for comfort. Don't blame the children. They're looking for comfort. Because they did not get the comfort in the home. They will go to alcohol. They will go to drugs. They will go to premarital sex. You know why they are going into all that? They are looking for something they missed in their home. They want to hide themselves. They just want to while their time away. Because, you know, they are missing something. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Question number three. Um, There was a lady, Susan Smith, who pushed her car with her two sons into a lake to drown them. Then she blames a black carjacker for the deed and wrote in her official confession I dropped to the lowest point when I allowed my children to go down to the ramp into the water without me I took I took off running and screaming oh god oh god no 
what have i done why did you let this happen we know god allowed her to do uh, to, allowed her to do her own free will in the same token america is crying why did biden win why did you allow this to happen to the us but you say we did not pray enough we turned our backs to god how do we how do we as a country truly take heed and come back to god many will not many will but god but will god give usa another chance okay use an illustration over there and then the whole thing is about see whenever you whenever we ask this question will god give us another chance or any nation another chance the simple answer is that it is everything is connected to when jesus is coming back mm. it is not connected with the nation we need to realize entire history of the world is connected with his second coming if he is coming back soon no nation is getting a second chance if he is coming back long while we got a long long time before he comes back let us say 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or whatever maybe you get a second chance we are looking at history but we are not looking at what really history is the history is all about christ everything is connected with christ okay and god has his timeline the timeline is entirely connected with his son 4000 years of human history it changed when his son came after that 2000 years of church, um, human history is about his son's spirit in the church and everything is going to change when the son comes a second time so whether a nation will get a second chance or not is connected with when is jesus coming back it's coming back because we have to look at the series of events a lot of events too okay and with us the problem with us is this didn't happen yesterday or today with us this was been planned for years and years and years i was telling my wife a couple of days back i said i actually forgot to ch- uh, check <clears throat> there was an fbi director forgot his name i think it's mccarthy or something in the 50s 60s around that time i i'm trying to rack my brains he was tough is almost like a dictator and he was completely after the communist within the system <clears throat> he went after anybody in us who he suspected to be a communist sympathizer he went after them even presidents from what i read were terrified of him because you know these guys have dirt on everybody so nobody dared to buck him so he was kind of a person who would because you are having this cold war with soviet union who wants to take over the world so he went after anybody he suspected was a communist sympathizer okay because he was very clear that us should remain a conservative nation so 60 years later it is gone the other way now now you have a communist sitting in the justice department and the fbi leftist socialist sitting over there and they are going after everybody they suspect is a christian comes and they conservate mm. it's come a full circle it's come a full circle they're going after everybody if they suspect you you are a conservative and christian they will label you radical and they want to purge the system of including the army they want to purge them of all these people the entire system is what they're coming so what happened is but you if you ask who failed 
always say in a nation like America, it's a church failed. It's a church failed. The enemy infiltrated into the church, preached a different gospel. The gospel was not preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ. The gospel was not about a radically changed life. They simply changed the gospel and made it about this world. And even now, that's why they are struggling. Even now, they are struggling. Why are they struggling? I mean, look at us, all of us. Pandemic is here. People are dying like flies over here. But we are still in our mind is what? <laughs> by May end it will go. By June it will go. And we can go back to normal life. And then we will prosper. And we shall build. And we shall sell. And we shall buy. And we shall eat. And we shall drink. God says, you know what? Your mindset is the same as the people of Noah. And the people of Sodom. Mindset hasn't changed. Here is man building an ark and saying, repent, repent, judgment is coming, coming. And what are people doing? The mindset is not changing. And the same thing in lots of this thing over there. Mindset is not changing. Okay. The thing is that whether Jesus comes in 2022 or in the year 3000, our mindset has to change. Mm. If our mindset doesn't change, we will not be able to see what's happening. It does not matter when he comes. It may not come in my lifetime. It still does not matter. I still have to live my life saying he will come in my lifetime and he might come any time now. That is the only thing that changes. You know? That's why we saw in the morning. What do you expect? What do you expect? What is your expectation? Because if your expectation is that the Savior is coming in the clouds to take his bride, then your lifestyle will change. The problem is we all claim to be Christians, but the fact is that when God looks into our heart, we do not have that expectation. We do not have that expectation. And Peter and Paul and all say that very Paul Paul will say if if you do not love Jesus that way, Lord I'm waiting for you, you'll be cursed. You'll be cursed. Yes, Maranatha Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And be accursed, he says. What is that curse? You should be left behind. You should not be taken. It's basically what he's saying. You know? And that's where it all happened. We are not getting that picture. And that's where the problem comes. We have to. The mindset has to change. And you know what? When the mindset changed, everything is nice. It's still okay. But the book of says <laughs> that there was a time of peace and quiet and the church increased and the Spirit of God was with them. You know what? When the Spirit of God is with them, you have peace, you have prosperity, yet you're willing to go. You're willing to go. You're willing to go. It was not a poor man who left the Ur of the Chaldeans. Yes. It was a rich man who left the Ur of the Chaldeans without knowing where he was going. Just not where he's going. No? So it doesn't matter we are you materially poor on earth or materially very rich on your earth. Bible is very clear. Do not set your heart on things that are below. Mm. Because if you set your heart on things which are below, the poor man on his poverty and wants riches, and the rich man puts his money, his heart on his riches, his wealth, his material, this thing, both are unprepared. On the other hand, a rich man can keep his heart prepared. Okay? See, when this, we are talking about Adamic line and all, Enoch and all are not poor people. They are not poor people. They are very rich people. They are well-to-do people because clan established. These are heads of big clans, direct line from, okay. But he's walking with God. They're walking with God. Noah is walking with God. Abraham is walking with God. Isaac is walking with God. 
Okay, Jacob is walking with God, and that's what God is talking about. So it is it is irrelevant whether you are rich or poor. The state of your mind is what matters. Where is your eyes fixed? Where mm. is your heart fixed? And if a height and heart are fixed at the wrong place, the answer God says is, get it right. Get it right. So, will America get a second chance? I, I'm not a prophet. <laughs> I don't know. I see people crying out, but when I look at it, because no man can say that, the majority of the people are crying out. We do not know. No, not that God goes through, goes through what he called through the demographic or the democratic norm of the majority has to receive me. Then only I will change. It doesn't work that way too. Let me give you this a very powerful, I think it's in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 5. Uh, 24, 24. 24. Chapter 1. Yeah. Okay. Jeremiah 24. Yeah, 24. This is about for me, I, I said it uh, many weeks back, uh, verses 1 to 10. This is one of the most powerful eye-opening oh, verses mm. which the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me. And there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the craftsmen, smiths from Jerusalem, and brought them to Babylon. Mm. One basket had very good figs, like the figs that were first ripe. The other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs, very good. The bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, thus says the Lord God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, mm. whom I have sent out of this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, they shall be my people, I'll be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. And as a bad fix which cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Surely thus says the Lord, so will I give up Zerekiah, the king of Judah, his princess, the residue of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt. I will deliver them to trouble into all the kingdoms of the earth, for their harm to be a reproach and a byword, a taunt and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence among them till they are consumed from the land I gave to them and their fathers. You know what God is saying? Even if America doesn't return, my people, the remnant who are good fix, wherever they are, my eyes on them. Mm. I will see that I protect them and I will see good happens to them and they will fulfill my purpose. But the others, it doesn't matter. I will destroy them. I will destroy them. So ultimately, it does not matter which way a nation goes. What matters is which way does a man go in that nation. America can fall, may never return. It may be on the way to be destroyed, becomes a socialistic, complete like communism takes over. But the remnant church over there, the remnant church over there, the one who refuses, is a basket of good fix. I'm not saying they will not have trouble and all. But what I'm saying is that spiritually, they will be strong they will be prosperous. Physically, they may be harmed, like the church in China and all, right? 
people do not realize much of the church in China has gone underground completely. Mm. They've gone underground. You won't get the pastors and all mobiles are all off. They are literally gone underground. It's not very difficult even in these places to go underground. You look at China. China is bigger than India. Yeah, yes. Bigger than India. In India also you can go underground if you want. They switch off your mobile, uh, change, you go, you can disappear. And they cannot track you out easily. And the country is so huge. Okay, There also they have disappeared. Because the government is entirely determined to stamp out Christianity over there. They are terrified of it. But you know what? Even they spiritually they are prospering. They may be living in caves and in forests and make aching out a living and all that. But spiritually they are very powerful. And God is with them. Mm. Okay, God is with them. So we need to look at this two pictures. It's this protection of God promised to those whose hearts are stayed on him. So whether you look at Israel or whether you look at the church, there are two back two baskets in front of God. One is a basket of good figs and one is a basket of bad figs. Mm. One is so good, the other is so bad. And that's how Revelation 22 ends. He who is righteous, let him be righteous. He who is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous. He is holy, let him be holy. Unholy. And you know what? Two baskets are being filled mm. before God's own eyes. Okay, that's what I said. Don't look at the temporary nature of what is happening. We have to look at it. And that's why people like Paul and all is guys to give us an unbeliever eye opener. He's, he goes through really what he goes through, entire list of what he goes through. It's a momentary affliction, light affliction. I mean, is it really light? No. But how does it become light in comparison? In comparison. In comparison, it is light. In comparison to what? The eternal weight of glory. He maybe went through 30 years of persecution compared to eternal glory. Then it is comparison. But if our eyes are on earth, then this, it is not light. Heavy affliction. Long affliction. Night without end. That's Alistair Macklin's novel. Night without end. No? Goes on and on, never end. How long, Lord? These people never said how long, Lord. They looked in the light. How do you have that mindset? As Colossians 3 says, keep your mind on things above. Keep your mind on things above. Now, the first mommy to have, going to have the baby is Tabitha. I mean, you think that nine months pregnancy plus the labor is easy? No, it's not easy. But she will deliver by this month. Ask her by July. Do you think about those things? She'll say no. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Why? This is light compared to now having the baby. It's gone. It's over. It's finished. And that is what Jesus also. The Bible takes it very, very clearly in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. You know, 12 verse 2 is absolutely looking unto Jesus. The only way is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Him. Pattern. How is the pattern? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Endured the cross. He's not telling us to do anything which he did not do. He looked at the joy, the church getting saved, people getting sanctified, and the bride coming up, and then living with the Father forever and ever and ever. The mess in the universe is over. All of creation is reconciled to the Father. Eternity has begun. Whether it's no grief, no no sorrow, no grief. Dad is happy. Sin has been tackled. The holiness of God is now protected. Nothing of evil will ever touch the universe. And he looked at all that. You know what? He entered the cross. 
to endure something, you need to have something on the other side which is real. Otherwise, you will not be able to endure. Mm. You know why people commit suicide? Because they have nothing forward to look to. They have nothing forward to look to. That's why the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is not saving you from the penalty of sin. It is more than that. It gives you hope into eternity. And therefore, you are able to endure the life on earth. It doesn't matter because I know where I am going. And I know what is for me. And the thing is that even eyes haven't seen nor ears heard. And Revelation 21 talks about the city coming down and the father with them. He wipes the tears away and it is for. Ever and ever and ever and ever. Therefore, we endure the cross. We endure the cross. What is happening to life, your home, a nation, we endure it. But we fight. We don't give up. Looking at that, we don't become sitting in the hammock because the other side is there. You need to occupy till I come. Hmm. So the church in the U.S. should not give up. The church in India should not give up. We are fighting. What are we fighting? We are fighting for the souls. We are fighting for the souls. But what happens is the devil knows that. That's a couple of the other questions. The devil knows that. If he can take our eyes off heaven onto earth, he succeeded. Our witness is gone. He looks at the Laodicean church. He looks at, I am okay. You are okay. Who is saying? The Laodicean church and the world. The world looks at the Laodicean church. I am okay. Laodicean looks at the world and says, you are okay. There's no difference. And God comes and says, either get in or get out. Be hot or be cold. You are a stumbling block. Nobody is getting into the kingdom of God at all. And that's where the problem comes. You know, People like Paul, either you love him or you hate him. There's no neutrality about mm. people like that. You know, you cannot be comfortable with Paul. Even other apostles were not very comfortable with them. Peter and always say, my compromisers, they were very uncomfortable with him. But he was an uncompromising, not as a hard man or a nasty man. He's a very loving, kind, patient. But when it comes to God and the kingdom, he's absolutely uncompromising. Okay? And that's the way it should be. Because he lived with that hope. He absolutely lived with that hope. And that's his first letter to the church in Thessalonica. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Next question says, um, as women... My brother-in-law times me every answer. He will say, last, last um, Q&A, your first answer was 45 minutes and it was equal to a sermon. As <laughs> 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 okay. women, we undergo various emotional changes during pregnancy. Oh, okay, and after okay let me go that. Okay. This is question number four. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to put the question on. I wanted okay, that. Yeah. Huh? You have it? Yeah. Yeah, put question number four so that they can. Sometimes people don't. Our accent is different, no? Uh, as women, we undergo various emotional changes during pregnancy and after childbirth. And one thing that I faced is postpartum depression. depression. I was only delivered when God touched me. I know depression is demonic. But how can I be sure that it won't happen to me this time? Now that I'm almost, now that almost all situations are same, or even worse than last pregnancy. I am praying against it, but sometimes I do need someone to hear out. Husbands don't usually understand what we go through, and that aggravates our situation. What can we do from our side to make sure that things don't go bad? Sadly, also, sadly, this sister is writing to a room full of men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also okay. I will be compassionate. Okay. Also, because of kids, we don't get time with God as much as, as we used, used to. That also causes a spiritual depression. I don't know if it's only with me or other women too. What is the situation? Solution. Solution. What is the solution? Okay, let's Sorry. go from, okay, let me read. 
The first thing which I have to tell this dear sister is one, uh, depression is not always demonic. Okay? Depression also can be because of chemical imbalance, hormonal imbalance. Okay? It's not always demonic. That is why men are called to live with them in understanding. They go through those cycles. They are not like us. They go through their cycle every month. Then during pregnancy, they go through that. So you look at their changes and you be very quiet and be very patient. They are not being their normal self and it is not because their demon is on them or they are irritable or anything. It is simply because it is not in their control. It's there, not in their control. And therefore, you know what? We should be in control. <laughs> the problem is aggravated <laughs> because of their imbalance. They are not in control. But the worst thing is that we are not in control at all. <laughs> and then it aggravates them. It aggravates them. And honestly, we don't have to do anything. We just have to be silent, be kind, be loving. And help them through it. You know what? And that helps them out of it. Much of the different, more, more than the chemical depression, the depression is caused more by the husband. Okay. Because it's because, you know, like when we read that word, I'm, I'm sure well, there are six, seven men sitting over here. I don't know how many of us know that word. Did we hear about go back there postpartum? Do we postpartum. even know about it? Yeah. Postpartum. Yeah. It is something which happens to women after delivery. Postpartum depression. Okay, they get that, that depression. There's so many things happening, you know. I mean, what we don't understand is that the woman's womb is a semi-universe being created. It's something like God creating everything out of darkness into light. Mm. Okay. The whole thing which God created, a small little reflection of he does it in the mother's womb. And like he uh, looks at it and at heaven, he looked and he enjoyed his creation. And every day he said, it is good. We are also told about that fearfully and wonderfully we are made. And uh, if you look at the whole creation of God, but God's greatest creation is none of it. It is man. Mm -hmm. That is God's creation. You look at one cell, one cell. Or the brain of the man. There's nothing comparable in the universe to it. And who's bearing it all? The woman. Okay, it's a lab. And she's going through everything connected with that. And then God, that's a time when they need more patience and more attention. Okay, so please first sister and all the sisters, it is not demonic. Yeah, first it is not demonic. It's a, it's a normal. Okay. It is a result of the fall. This was not what was it meant to be. One of the things of the result of the fall for the woman is this. Okay. If you look, this is what God did. Genesis chapter three and verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Okay, so there is sorrow in the conception. Okay. In pain, you shall bring forth children. It's a result of the fall. Your desire shall be for your husband. Okay, what he's saying. And this is especially true during the pregnancy. They crave for their husband and they hate them too. Okay, they crave for their husband's okay, attention. See, 
we have to look at it and don't go by culture culture is good there are so many good things in the culture culture is good but the word of god supersedes culture you know what we do in our culture and in the third travel we send her home god never sent her home eve there was no home for adam to send eve her first pregnancy he took care of her who cut the umbilical cord adam did who took the baby out adam did who cleaned her out adam did who fed her adam did there was no mother in law there or no mother there so don't allow culture to supersede the word of god yes thank god if our mother is there thank god but you know god asked the man is where are you mm. the question god asks man is where are you okay because i made it that way what is that she will crave for you she'll crave for you this is where we have to change our thinking this is what we call kingdom living this is kingdom living no in india they don't allow these days they're starting allow in some hospital you see in christian nations they allow the man to be in the labor room mm-hmm. they allow you need to be there you need to be there why you you are the you are not the reason for this so you don't put it that way <laughs> but you are the person i'm telling you if a wife especially in good marriages if your wife was to given a choice do you want your mother or your husband over there she'll say i want my husband husband yes that's right i want my husband i want him here i want him to hold my hand and you know it's a very it's a very painful for her but also a very godly moment you are together birthing something there over there you know and we need to realize we have to get culture out of our heads especially indian men you have to get culture out of our hands and not abdicate our duties assigned by god there are duties assigned by god everybody is not called into full time ministry but everybody is called to full time ministry in their home in their home okay in their home i'm not saying that the mother shouldn't be there or no it is good if the mother is over there but that does not mean you are not there you are not over there and then after the child is born too right now the gone the system is understanding and now giving paternity leave and one day and five days and depending upon this thing and all no? why does even the system recognizes we also need to recognize it you know it is it's a it's a it's a what you call it's a common project it's hmm. a project of two people birthing a child and raising up a child it is not one person's job it's both and we indian men have to learn to enjoy home enjoy home and we can we can make it happen enjoy home you know otherwise it's a struggle you know it's struggle imagine you like i remember the time when my right hand i broke my right hand all hands right hand but for the next 3 months i learned to do everything with my left hand everything with my left hand including how to type my messages write cook everything wash iron everything with my left hand and i am that kind of a person i will not take help if i can do it i will if only when i cannot do it i will ask somebody for help took the auto for all my meetings 8 or 9 10 meetings didn't cancel anything with one hand in the i did everything with my left hand but you realize when one hand is broken you struggle more 
you struggle more. It is supposed to be two hands, but one hand. You know? And do you know many homes are disabled? Because only one hand is working. The other hand is not there. Because as the saying, where is the disability? <laughs> disability is with normal people. Mm. Normal people. And we have to get these fundamentals together, come back together. Homie. All are young people, very young people. Men swallow your pride. One thing I will tell you, you cannot have pride in a marriage. It will destroy you. I'm telling you seriously. If you cannot be yourself and humble before your spouse, you will never be humble before anybody else. Because this is your half. You two are not two. You are one. And if you cannot humble yourself before your your wife or the wife before the husband, you will never be able to truly humble before anybody else. And if you do, it's fake. It's not real. That's why it says both Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. But the, when they fell, pride set in. They're hiding from each other first, covering from each other. Not from the animals, not from God. If it was from God when he came, why did they hide? They're covered, right? They're not hiding from the animals. They're hiding from each other. That's what the fall did. And what does God do? God takes the middle wall of separation first in the home mm. between the husband and the wife. And God says, look that life. Authentic life. Look that life. You know what? That is where it all begins. It doesn't mean, like I said, the issue is not with America. The issue is not with the politics. It is not. It is the home. The home broke. Home broke. And restoration. And home is broken by pride. It is not broken by sin. It is broken by pride. Why do people go to hell? Because they sin? No. Because they refuse to humble themselves before God. It is not because of sin. Sin has been paid for. Sin is, what is the devil's primary sin? It's pride. Mm. He refuses to humble himself and say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And like I said, you read Genesis chapter 3. Do you see one word from Adam or Eve saying we are sorry? That we are wrong? No. It is God who humbles himself. These dudes don't even say one word of apology. He comes, he sacrifices, he covers, and he sends them out. Does Cain humble himself? No. It is God who comes. God who comes. Oh, my punishment. He puts a mark. Okay. Nobody will touch you. You need to realize homes and lives are not destroyed by sin. It is destroyed by pride. And if a husband is proud and a wife is proud, you are gone. <laughs> you are gone. That is where it has to. It has to. It has to. I don't know. Maybe my brother-in-law will tell me how much I, t- I timed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The next question says, uh, a legal breaking of headship. But why would warfare ever be necessary if Christ defeated Satan and his demons? Hmm. Didn't Christ take away his power, disarm him and destroy his works? I think I had another question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Did did he not deliver us from Satan's power? Hmm. We know Satan's destruction was not a literal literal one, Hmm. but rather a legal breaking of headships or his authority. The Bible says he delivered us from his authority. He has no right to use his power on us. Colossians 1.13 and Luke 10.19 then my question is, why do we keep getting attacked? 
why are we so ignorant about the warfare and why don't we understand warfare if you look at it we're not going to demon possession that's a different thing if you look at it in all my life no demon has hurt me hmm. men and women have <laughs> yes <laughs> so when you look at it demons don't have the power to hurt us they hurt us through people hmm. god has stripped him and who are the people who are hurt us those who are deceived hmm. what is the devil's biggest weapon deception deception hmm. this deception that is his. he deceives us hmm. deceives us deception is his primary weapon and through deception and through deceived people he attacks you 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 go through the record of apostle paul in the book of acts did one demon touch him no but everywhere he went he was attacked who attacked him those people. people who were these people deceived people does he really love them of course he love he would willing to die for them but are they able to see it no why because they are deceived so there are so many kinds of ways the devil deceives us the devil deceives us and where are we deceived ultimately we are deceived in our mind our mind is the primary factor which controls us and the deception takes place in the mind you know deception takes place in the mind and why do we preach the word of god you know why do we preach the word of god constantly why does god says do not be conformed to the pattern of the world what is this pattern of the world it's a thinking don't think like the world don't think like the world he says learn to think like me we need to think like him and we need to have his attitude let this attitude philippians 2:5 is basically talking about the attitude this to be attitude what is the attitude of jesus christ he's humble mm. and what is his thinking he thinks like the father okay yeah, yeah. let this mind that must be kjv uh, yeah, yeah no niv yeah okay so how does it deceive us how does it deceive us he deceives us in our thinking mm. Okay, so who are the people who harm us or hurt us? It is people who have been deceived. Why is it who is persecuting the Chinese church? The demons? No. no. Actually, the demons are scared to go into those churches. There's powerful anointing there. They don't go over there and mess up with people over there. But who's messing up with them? The communist regime. Mm. And who are the communist regime? Whose minds have been taken over? Mm. A demonic ideology has been set in. so deception is basically what is the protection the protection is your mind okay that's why in the previous question and all no we have to break these strongholds and our issue is that some of the strongholds we like it we like it because it gives us a law i mean sitting over here we are all let's honest we are all men okay we are all men i am okay i'm the oldest among you but let us say all of us were married or we are all of the same age and we have three children all toddlers which man's flesh actually wants to spend time with those three toddlers right but you know it's your responsibility so what do you do you fall back to structure which is the old culture which says it's your job i'm bringing in the money you take care of the children and we feel good because like i said no man can live without truth mm. so mm. if he cannot live by god's truth you will create your own truth and the truth becomes a stronghold and if you touch the stronghold you get offended you get upset you will not allow see if what is in your mind is the truth of god anybody can touch it you don't get offended 
you don't get offended. Mm. It doesn't bother you at all because you know it is truth can stand on its own. Yeah. You don't need the emotions to get offended by it. It stands on its own. Truth doesn't need to be defended. But if what you have accepted as truth is a lie, you touch that, you get upset. You have to give a defense to it. Always have to give a defense to it. And that's our problem. So how, that's how the enemy deceives people and he creates strongholds. Okay, Communist regime cannot perpetuate a lie in itself. Nobody will receive. So they have to bring the socialism. Oh, equality for everybody. We want to do this. You have to have a truth over there. Otherwise, it is not. And they will also use scripture if it is in America. Love your neighbor as yourself. They will not talk about God at all. The National Day of Prayer proclamation from Joe Biden, there was no one word about God. The word God was not there in the entire proclamation at all. So who are you praying to? <laughs> to yourself, looking at the mirror? National Day of of Prayer, the proclamation should at least tell the people who you pray to, right? God. G-O-D should be used. There's nothing there. Nothing. So, when they talk, they will never say, love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. They will only say, love your neighbor as yourself. When you say, love your neighbor as yourself, you can take their words and twist it in whichever way you want. Yes. You want. No? So, we need to realize, devil has no power over us, other than the power we give him. Yeah. Other than the power we give him. He has no power. We give him the power. And when Jesus says he's emptied him of all his power, he's done it. And if we are hidden in Christ, how, how, how can we all use these terms and it becomes like people listen, if you are hidden in Christ, how can I be hidden in Christ? How can you be hidden in Christ? The un- we are on the way of being hidden in Christ. The only way we can be hidden in Christ is when we start thinking yeah, like him yeah. and acting like him. The attitude. Thinking like him and acting like him. Then you know we are hidden in him. And the devil can't do anything. Your situation might be really bad. Like Paul is in the ch- when he's writing the letter to the Philippians. You are lying in a dungeon. You are in chains. But you know what? The devil cannot touch you at all. Devil is gritting his teeth. This fellow is not depressed. This fellow is not anxious. This fellow is not angry. This fellow is not mad. He says, rejoice in the Lord always again. I'm singing all these songs. That guy wrote it. <laughs> I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strength. My God shall provide. Be anxious for nothing. Who is writing all this? You know what happens? The devil could not put a finger on him. Victorious. You know why? He wouldn't allow him to rent any space in his mind. And he's not even angry with Caesar or anybody. He says, you know what? The word of God has reached Caesar's household. I'm trickled for Caesar. You know why? Because the word is reaching. And he says, my chains has gone to the furtherance of the gospel. What an attitude. It's basically talking like Jesus. The cross has brought salvation to the world. You know what? Cross was a good thing. Paul is saying the same. You know what? The chains is a good thing. Was the cross painful? Yes. But is it a good thing? He says, yes. If it brings people to the Lord, it's a good thing. He changes bad thing, yes. But if it brings people to the Lord, it's a good thing. You know? And this is how we have to look at it. When it talks about dominion over powers of darkness, don't look at it in the material level. It is in your mind. Do you give him space in your mind? Are you able on a day-to-day basis overcome? And that's what God is talking about. And then you, you know what? You will realize you are free. Your outward situation does not 
matter. You are actually a free man. That's what the Bible says. Where the spirit is Lord. Like I said in the morning. It is not this. It is the spirit that breathes the word, makes the word alive. It is not the word. You take the word and you take the spirit out, that word kills. The letter of the law kills. It kills. So when it's talking about where the spirit is Lord, the spirit is breathing into the word and the spirit is breathing through the person. It brings liberty. It brings liberty. The person is free. Even if nobody is changed, the person is still free. Absolutely at liberty. And your outward situation does not really, really matter. I'm not saying your body doesn't go through pain. I'm not saying you will not go through seasons of despair like Paul went through. But you spring back. You jump back. Back. Go to the normal position. It's like you tell it, it comes back to your normal position. That is our normal position. Yes, Pastor Vijay? So this next question is a a continuity. It says, how does Mm. Satan blind the mind of the unbeliever? What gives place to this veil? Mm. How does Satan blind the mind of the unbeliever? What gives place to this veil? So how does Satan blind the mind of the unbeliever? It's through ideology. Same same thing. It's either through ignorance. Mm. First thing is ignorance. Okay? Ignorance. every, Every child is born ignorant. Then as it's growing, knowledge is coming in. And the knowledge can be false. It can be false. The knowledge can be false. Okay? And salvation is the beginning of true knowledge coming in. Salvation is the what? The starting point. True knowledge has come in. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by faith in the work of Jesus Christ alone. That is the beginning. And from there you have to continue in that all the way. That is the salvation. Salvation, ultimately the salvation of your soul. The soul is basically your mind, Mm. your will and your emotions, but ultimately your mind. And the will goes according to soul. How does the devil deceive you? Deceives you. Because our mind is bigger and faster than the the greatest supercomputer man can make. Mm. It's forever Receiving information, receiving, receiving, processing, processing, processing. Even now when I'm talking to you about husbands, I'm looking at your faces and I'm processing information. How many is receiving it? How are they receiving it? And all my processing may be wrong. Mm. But you're still processing because the mind is working, 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 working. Okay. Um, John is laughing, but he's a young man. He get married in another seven or eight or nine years. Will he, will he remember these lessons by then or would it be forgotten before evening? Okay. Oh, Spirit of God bring it to his remembrance when he's a married man. <laughs> no, your mind is processing all it 24-7. No, your mind is processing information. And much of that information is false. Mm. False information, misinformation, and then there is something which is called truth. The truth. And the devil deceives you. The problem is once you have received something that is false and accepted as truth, it becomes a stronghold. It is very, very difficult. And that's the problem we face in the churches now. Mm. The problem with the churches is you don't face that with Gentiles. Mm. Unbelievers, you pray with those in the church. The church was fed false gospel. Okay? The Gentiles have no gospel. So you can preach the gospel to them. The church has been fed a wrong gospel. They got saved and after that everything was fed was junk. So now to, to feed them, first you have to take the false gospel out. And they will fight with you. They will not allow you to take it out. 
then replace it with the true gospel. With the Gentiles, you don't feel that. This is the truth. Receive yes, yeah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Okay, now start from scratch one. This is the true truth, and they will receive it. Mm. It's easier working with them than working with a Christian yes. who is mine. That's why the, it's more difficult to preach the gospel in America than it is in India. Yes. In India, we face resistance from the system. In US, you face resistance from, from the minds. People, yeah. <laughs> from the minds. Yes. From the minds. And as an aside, let me tell you why they went after Revizak. Why they went after Revizak. I'll tell you. We have so many well-known people in well-known, you know, like T.D. Jakes, Billy Graham, and you know, MacArthur. You'll see one million hits and all that. You know, These people are known only in Christian circles. The one true international speaker known in every place was Revizak. And he was known among the unbelievers. He had access to platforms which Billy Graham wouldn't get. Parliaments, universities, and he could debate with anybody gently, kindly, break their logic off. They had to bring him down and take his books off. You need to understand the influence the Ravi Zach. Ravi Zach did not have so much influence in the Christian world. Mm. His influence was in the Gentile world, yeah. the thinking world. Mm. So they had to destroy him. They had to bring him down. And, and that's why if you look at it, the reaction to whatever came out is not, what did they do? They took all his books out. My question too is that in a land where your free speech is protection under the constitution, why do you have to take his books out? Why do you have to take his books out? Because his books are dangerous. His books are dangerous. His speeches are dangerous. His messages are dangerous because they speak to the unbeliever who thinks. Not to the believer. The believer doesn't need Revisak. He needs his Bible. The believer doesn't listen to Billy Graham. Sorry, the unbeliever doesn't listen to Billy Graham. He doesn't even know who T.D. Jakes is. He doesn't know who MacArthur is. But in the universities around the world, the thinking people who will shape the world's destiny in the coming generation, they know who Rev. Zach is. Okay, so you need to understand the diabolic plot, demonic plot behind it, how to take him down. You go to any place, tell me, do you know anybody else? Anybody else? A Hindu would listen to? In the university, a Muslim would listen to? Or a Buddhist would listen to? No, anybody else? No. They won't listen to T.D. Jakes. Yeah, what drama hai? They will ask him. They won't understand T.D. Jakes at all. They won't understand MacArthur at all. They won't listen to Billy Graham unless it's evangelistic crusade. But Revizak, people listen. And the people who listen to Revizak are people who really matter in the world. Because these are the young ones who come out of universities. He's spoken to most of the world parliaments. Is spoken to the intelligentsia. And these are not believers. They will listen to him. Okay, so you need to understand there is a devil who wants to keep people's minds blinded. Mm. Because what happened, so many people have gone through the same scandals in Christendom. Were their books taken out? Were their meetings taken out of YouTube? No. Why Revisax? Why Revisax? Because it's a threat. It's a threat to the intelligentsia. You cannot answer him. 
we can look at Ravi Zak and say, you know what, um, but he's not speaking to you. Mm. No, if I were to do, I would do all the scripture, but he's not speaking to you and me. He's speaking to a different, God used him for a different, completely different crowd. Just not to us, he was speaking to us. So when we look at these others and we look at him, you have to see behind the screen what is happening, what is the enemy trying to do. What is the enemy trying to do? For us who have the Lord and the word in our heart, you take John MacArthur, take him out of YouTube. It doesn't affect us. You take Ravi Zak, It doesn't affect us. But to the unbelieving world, you take Ravi Zak, the thinking world, you take Ravi Zak, all his books out, all his videos out. It really affects. Because mm. there's no other voice. There's no other voice. They're not going to listen to Billy Graham. They're not going to listen to T.D. Jakes. They're not going to listen to any of these superstars. They're not going to listen. They are superstars in Christendom. Ravi Zak was a superstar in the world. He's a superstar in the world. Okay, that's where you need to understand. Behind it all, there's a demonic realm and there are co- conspirators on earth working in tandem. And they know who's dangerous and they know who's not dangerous. It's not dangerous. Who they will prop up and who will they try to bring down. So we are not looking at what the scandal, we are not looking at that. We are looking at the reaction. We're looking at the reaction. So that's why you need discernment. That's why you have to stand up for what is true in a country where free speech, your constitutional right, you don't take anybody's books down. You don't take anybody's book down. It has a right to stand over, even if you disagree. It's, it's Benjamin Franklin who said, I disagree with every word you say, but I will fight till my lifetime for the freedom to speak what you said. Mm. It's a God-given freedom. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away. That I have the freedom to op- voice my opinion. So, Religions will shut that voice. Ideologies will shut that voice. Where does the liberty to do all this come from? It comes from Christianity. Christianity is the only religion which gives opposition the freedom to speak. Hmm. Every other religion shuts down that voice. Hmm. Will not allow you to speak. But that's the nature of truth. You can speak. I have no issues because I know I am true. But others, no. We are true. We will not allow you to speak. It's a problem. The problem. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, explain therefore the meaning of enlightenment. Can you describe an analogy? Using an analogy. You, that's for you. You are the one who spoke that, so you have to answer. Oh, for me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so don't put me in a box. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's a robotics box, don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> no, you look at it because some of the words are your language. <laughs> Explain the meaning of enlightenment. Uh, because some, it is your last Sunday's message. Okay. Uh, mm. <laughs> you cannot escape. <laughs> okay, okay. Is it, well, I think um, enlightenment, at least according to me, is something with a nick, as they say in English, the nickel dropping. When uh, suddenly everything makes sense as to why a particular thing has happened in your life. Okay, and then you say, okay, this is the reason why uh, this has happened. And it happens to many, many place, play, play, people, okay. I mean, I, uh, for example, if you're doing a simple mathematics uh, problem, when you're yeah, a kid. That is the analogy which I cannot give, okay. <laughs> now you have to ask. <laughs> yeah. When you're a kid, for example, when you're doing uh, algebra, whatever it is, you don't, most of the times, you do not know, very few people actually are able to 
see the future and say, okay, this will be applicable in certain place in the future. But while you're solving it in your class six and class seven, how many of you actually really recognize it as to why you're solving quadratic equations, for example? Nobody did it. There's an equation. You solve it. And then you do go through all this rigor and study it over and you solve different examples and it doesn't make sense as to why you're doing it. Until and unless a real world problem arises. And then everything falls into place and, and you know, uh, what we call as a, um, there are, I mean, uh, if, if I were to uh, tell you this is what we call as a teaching pedagogy where you have something called as top down approach and bottom up approach okay bottom up so what is bottom up approach uh, you study everything and finally you go to the application okay you study all the different uh, sciences okay. physics you study chemistry you study math you study and then you study all the they, they call them basics and you say okay where are where am i going to use these basics um, most of the times the even the teacher doesn't know and then then you come to maybe your you go to your research lab and everything makes sense because uh, you've studied it in class 7 and then suddenly it makes sense. But there's something called as top-down approach where you're given an application and then you say because if there's, this, is, this application is there and, to, un, and to, to solve this problem I need to know all these things. And then it b- begins to make sense. That is basically what we call as top-down approach. And most of the times in Indian schools and many schools abroad is that you teach everything from the from the bottom and then uh, most of the times people lose interest and <laughs> and when they go to the top then there's no enlightenment there's, there's no enlightenment <laughs> so when you have a bottom up approach i mean so top down approach you're given a problem see that is the reason why like pastor was saying in those days fathers took the children to the trade what they learned was a trade and what they studied was a bible okay it was all hands on and if you look at many of the theories which were which are developed in science came because people started experimenting they started doing things on 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 the on the ground on on the reality i mean on the ground level and then they started doing it they started developing theories as to how we can generalize this never you start a theory and then you i mean you you never had uh, theories coming out of impractical things you did it and then you studied uh, you did all the practical things and then you said okay fine this makes sense. Let us do a gen- uh, let us do a generalization. That is what is what in the previous year, previous generations that they used to do. They used to have a trade. Fathers used to teach them a trade, and through that they used to impart knowledge. But it doesn't happen these days. Hardly you don't have any anybody doing a trade. They studied the Bible. That was education, and they also did a trade. So enlightenment means when. Actually, sir, a particular thing when you when you have studied makes sense when you go to an application in life. Similarly, even in the spiritual realm, so many some so many things that you have. Uh, for example, John is being taught as to how a husband has to deal with his wife with knowledge. He will never understand it unless until you he gets, gets married. To, gets married, and then oh, pastor said this and pastor said that. That is what when the nickel drops and he says, oh, this is what it means. Now I have to understand. This is the situation I'm going through, etc. So that is what enlightenment is. Your eyes are open and then you understand a particular situation because it makes sense what all you have studied. It's like the light. You know, the, it's like a jigsaw puzzle and suddenly it begins to make sense. That's what enlightenment is. You know? And can. that's how Jesus actually taught. Mm-hmm. Okay. But let me tell you about adding that to what Pastor Vijay was saying. When it comes to spiritual things, 
okay because in spiritual things you're not dealing like in a lab or a trade in spiritual things you're dealing with people hmm. ultimately everything is dealing with people when you're dealing with machines machines don't have feelings whether you use it or kick it it doesn't make any difference to it but you are dealing with people and this is where you need to understand like pastor used the illustration about john getting married okay then the thing is that once you know it is true you don't need a reaction to continue it mm, exactly absolutely okay. now we are talking about an ideal situation the ideal situation is only god it doesn't matter what a jerk i am god is still kind to me <laughs> Okay, you know why? Because God is kind. Okay, it doesn't matter how many times we as his children goof up, his mercies are new each every morning. Now, we need to get that in. That's what I'm talking about, the mindset of Christ. That is enlightenment, a revelation. What is that? You may be married and your spouse, whether it's a man or a woman, could be a jerk. But that doesn't, your, her negate. response or his response does not negate what we are called to be, be not exactly. do, be. Precisely. Okay, it is not about doing, it's about Paul comes and asks, what should I do? But the real question, God's answer is what you should be. Mm. When you be that, then whatever you do, like A.W. Tozer said, right? A man or a woman who delights to do God's will, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. choice they That's make right. is God's will. Exactly, it's God's will. That's right. They <laughs> cannot go wrong. So it did not matter whether Jesus calls great is your faith or go tell that fox it is God's will. It's God's will. You know why? Because he delights to do God's will. In the same way you need to understand it is not about doing, it's about being. Otherwise what will happen is that we will be caught in this where the other person could be a spouse, it could be a child or it could be a colleague. Mm. Because their reaction is not what we expected, we stop <coughs> being. Or we stop doing. You know, when we stop doing, because we still haven't become that. Yes. Our actions have not become our life. God is not trying to change our actions first. God is trying to make us a person. And out of that person, naturally, these actions flow. So you, you could nail Jesus on the cross. You could nail him, his hands, his feet. But he will never stop being a blessing because that is who he, he is. is. Exactly. That is who he mm. is. <laughs> his, his hands are nailed. His back is broken. His feet is nailed. And the first words is that, Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You know why? Because that is who he is. And God is trying to make us into something. Our, our struggle is that we are trying to do things do things. And then we get frustrated because I did this and you didn't even say a thank you. Okay? I did, you did, you took me for granted. Now that's what the wife will say. What do you think I'm a uh, no, heard it for you. I'm a doormat. <laughs> do you think I'm a doormat? Okay, But actually there was only one doormat on earth. That was Jesus. He was a doormat. Everybody wiped their shoes on him. Everybody wiped, the whole humanity wiped their shoes on him. You know, and he never said, am I a doormat? You know what? But that is who he is. Hmm. Okay? The doormat sitting outside our door never complains. You know what it does take? It's all the day existence. It takes our dirt. Exactly. You know what Jesus has done? He took our he dirt. Took our dirt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He took our dirt. You know why? Because that is who he is. So our reaction coming in the morning, wiping the dust, does not change who he is. He does because of who he is. 
That's the fundamental lesson we have to learn. Everything that we are going through as a nation, as a, as a family, is it making me into that person who I should be? Mm. Okay, when you be that person, you know what? It is easy. You can be consistent. You're consistently consistent, yes. being love, being kind, yet being firm. Like today I said, be firm. I wrote to somebody, yeah. Be, be firm and kind. Be firm and kind. Firmness is not being rude hmm. and too hard on a child. No. Firmness is something, you know, a child will understand after that. No is no. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. Once you're consistent, no is no. The child understand no is no. You don't have to shout, scream. After that, you just have to say no. That's enough. So you're being firm. You're not bending. You're being <coughs> firm. But you're kind. Okay? That's how God is. He says no. He doesn't shout the first time. No! He doesn't say no. And those who have learned understand if that. He's firm and he's kind. He's not nasty and kind. He's firm and kind. Okay? And we have to learn. That is being. It doesn't happen in over day. You know what? God has to knock us through every situation in life before we become that. Mm. It is easy to hear all these things. <laughs> you know, it is, um, David brought Goliath down with what? The smooth stone. You know how many centuries it took God to, to make that stone. stone smooth? Mm. How much near it has been rolled from mountain after mountain on the rocks and finally when David found it is very smooth. That smooth stone destroys powers of darkness. You know how many years God has been working on us to make a smooth stone so that Christ can release to bring Goliath down. He says, you're still sharp. Hmm. It's still sharp. You know, that is what God is doing. We sometimes forget the big picture because the eyes are on so much on the temporal. temporal. We don't realize we are really going, our real life is there. <laughs> Lord, take me to the top. God says, it is not here top. It is there that is top. I am trying to work you out so that you can reign with me for eternity. Like a presidency is only four years. Mm-hmm. And two terms, eight years over. In India only you will rule till you die. But most countries it is, it is limited. Term limits are there. But the greatest term limit is in heaven. What is it called? Eternal. Ever Eternal. and ever. Even on earth, when you die, they take you off the chair, put you in a coffin or you burn you off. But in heaven, no. And God is preparing us for that. And if you don't look at it, and I believe Joseph looked at it and said, Lord, I understand. Possibly. I don't fully understand. I think we'll stop. It's 8 o'clock. Yeah, possibly. Oh, it's not 8 o'clock. So one, one thing I want to ask about, yeah. question number three. Uh, they said, uh, one one more chance for USA. Mm. Will there be a point in any individual's life mm. when God says, it's it, that's it, there's no... There's a I shall speak about that tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> okay. That's part of tomorrow's message. When does that happen? When does that because happen? Uh, it, it happened even in Saul's life, where he said, "I've tried so much, but now does, does he's come to a point wherein is no return. There's no turning back." Does it happen? And how to how does one really recognize that he has come to a point like that? He becomes a reprobate. Hmm. Becomes a reprobate. Okay. Reprobates are not people who did not know God. Reprobates no, but it's like are you, people who knew God. But even the prodigal son, he knew his father's love. But he does not become a reprobate, where he does not come back. He comes back. He has not come to that point yet. A reprobate, the Bible says he comes to his mind. 
But Romans 1 says he handed them over to a reprobate mind. Once you've been handed over to a reprobate mind, there's no coming back. No coming back. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying no coming back as such. It is God's sovereignty. It's none of our business to say who will come back. No, and no. Who but the reason back. I'm saying but warning, warnings are like if yeah, yeah. If you are looking at it as a philosophical point of view, there are stages in which a person goes and stages in which God deals. I'm not talking about people who do not know God. People who do not know God, God says He forgets all the seasons of ignorance. ignorance. Yes, that wipes it clean, like mm. He did with all of us. Gives us a fresh start. With his children, it is different. How he deals with as a children. But let me tell you, as we close, to encourage you. If you're genuinely saved, mm. it is very, very, very difficult to be lost. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're genuinely saved, <laughs> genuinely saved, <laughs> very, very difficult to be lost. It's not easy to be lost. It's very, very difficult to be lost. You know why? Because it's God who saved you. Hmm. God has saved you. It's very, very difficult to be lost. I'm not saying you cannot be not going to there once saved, always saved. I'm not coming over there. Then there is some issue with free will. Hmm. Okay, if it's for your free will that you chose God, then once you choose God, God took your free will away. Now I cannot be unsaved anymore. Hmm. Okay, there is it's an issue over there. I, I have, I mean, I mean, there are scriptures which you can look at it, but we will look at it tomorrow. Pastor Vijay, could you close, uh, in prayer? Father in, Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father, for exhorting us, O oh Lord. Even this evening, O oh Lord, you spoke to us. All of us needed to hear a word and you spoke to all of us. We believe everyone who's tuned in and everyone who's going to tune in in the days to come, O oh Lord. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would make all these questions and answers relevant to every situation. Lord, because your word will never lose its power. It's forever settled in the heavens. And I pray, Father, that every one of us, when we, Lord, get this word, O oh Lord, we will surrender ourselves and we will subject ourselves to the authority of the word of God in our lives. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and that you would anoint us and grant us grace, O oh Lord, that we will, Lord, truly surrender ourselves to the authority of the word of God in our lives. We thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us. We pray especially again, once again, for all those people, O oh Lord, in, this, in the body of Christ who are not well. I pray, Father, Lord, you should send forth your word and yes, heal Lord. them, O oh Lord, touch, even now. Touch, touch Lord. Touch, touch Lord. so many, O oh Lord. So many. Father, I oh, pray Lord, fearful, touch. fearful. I pray, Lord Jesus, we rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus and we release your word. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would comfort those who are going through it, who have lost their loved ones. Comfort them, O oh Lord Jesus. Father, even as a church, enable us, Lord, never to take anything for granted, but enable us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you, Father. Thank you once again for this time. We bless your holy name. Watch over us. And Lord, grant us another day so that we can prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.